Hello, folks. Seasons eatings. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. And welcome to another tasty bite of the Mike Goldman Show Christmas turkey. Big Brother has been wrapped up for over uh, well, a month now, and I'm fresh back from my next gig, emceeing my buddy's wedding in Mexico. I think I was there. Someone tagged me in some photos. Anyway, I went through Hollywood on the way back home, and I ran into a dwarf. He said, I'm not happy. And I said, well, which one are you? He said, Biffa from Lord of the Rings, and the premiere is tonight. So I decided to interview him in the foyer of the Roosevelt Hotel on Hollywood Boulevard. Biffa is a dwarf, but William Kircher, who plays him in the Lord of the Rings films, is not a dwarf. He's a Kiwi actor. He's a good bloke. He's also very excited about tonight's premiere. I'm very, very excited, Mike, and nice to see you here. How's it feel coming back to do the final Lord of the Rings film? Oh, look, it's, um, it's mixed, it's tinged with sadness, but then again, it is also the start of a journey. End of a journey, start of a journey. You never know. Yeah, you never know. So you play uh, a dwarf with an axe embedded in his head. He's, he's a very angry little man, and apparently he likes to make toys in his spare time. He totally does. And what was fantastic is right from the outset, the writers and Peter Jackson and Fran and Philippa, uh, the producer writers, uh, said we could actually help our own st- help make suggestions for our own story, our own journey through the film and our very first meeting. Oh, cool. So it was a fantastic. So I saw the axe in the head and I thought, what the hell am I going to do with that? And so we decided over the ne- course of the next three or four weeks, back and forth emails, that Biffa would speak in ancient dwarfish. Cause what does that mean? No, thank you. I've already had a beer. It means ready yourselves. No, ready yourselves, friends. In fact, it goes like this. Which means feel the fire of the dwarves. So did you make those words up or is someone else, they have a dwarf dictionary or something? They have an expert in language no writing it. Yeah, yeah. And in the film, every now and then I'd say... I might want to say something the next day, and so they're on the phone to the international... He lives here in the United States, and who would write the line for me in Kuzdul and send it back down. So did that happen a lot in the film? Because I know Ian McKellen would carry around a copy of uh, The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings books in his actual um, costume, and, and he would suggest things as they were filming, and a lot of times Peter Jackson just go, yeah, yeah, let's use that. That is one of the great things about working with Peter is he's very, you know, you can actually make suggestions. He's willing to listen because he's a very confident director. He's not afraid when you say, hey, but what if I try this? You know, it's got to be the right thing. He's the boss, you know. But you can actually suggest and come up with ideas, and those ideas make their way into the film, and that is a very exciting thing. And what was it like working with Ian McKellen? I mean, he's amazing. And Martin Freeman, Orlando Bloom, pretty cool guys. Look, it's insane. It's an insane opportunity for an actor. Now, I'm not a young actor anymore, although I like to consider myself a bit young. But you keep learning. And to work with people like that, like who are masters of their craft, like Ian McKellen, it is a fantastic opportunity to learn from them. And of course, you know, it's golden moments. There's golden moments in life. Suddenly you're, you're cast in the film, you're a principal cast, suddenly you're in a room and you look and you go, oh my God, that's, that's Ian McKellen. That's Martin Freeman from The Office. I love that show. <laughs> so, so you guys must have had a bit of fun together. I mean, you're grown men dressing up as these characters in a Tolkien book, and there must be some crazy stories. Oh, we had the most insane adventures, you know. You've, be, you've been here, Mike. You've seen how our, our, us guys get along, you know. Yeah. 
because I saw you at the bar last night at the Roosevelt Hotel. Everyone's having beers till like five o'clock in the morning, and you get your premiere today. You guys look like you're having a hoot. We are, although I'm suffering a bit today. But we had the most insane adventures together as a team of people that you could possibly imagine. To be put in a barrel and covered in live fish. Well, he did, actually, but real fish. Yeah. I mean, who can boast that through life? I heard about that. Is that, is that one of the things about shooting in New Zealand, that they do things for real? Like, in, if you're making a movie, movie like that in L.A. where you had to put you know, A-class talent in a barrel, you would do all CGI. But did they put, really put you in a barrel and float you down a river? That was in Desolation of Smog. Yes, they really did put us in a barrel and really floated down a river. We'd have a stunt team there all the time ready to step in because we did a lot of running, a lot of fighting. And they would say, you, we, look, if you're look, getting tired, we're happy that we can bring your stunt guy in for you. No way. None of the <laughs> actors ever would because we wanted to do it ourselves. And, yes, the fish, oh, my God, you know, like there's piles, massive piles of fake fish all around the set. Huge, huge. But for the barrel scene, they put us in a barrel and covered me completely over my head with real dead fish. So uh, you got the premiere tonight, uh, big party already, Peter Jackson and all the gang going to be there. How, how does it feel to be going to the, uh, to the premiere and what could be the final movie? Oh, look, very, very excited and looking forward to it like crazy. Um, it's going, I'm sure, to be an astounding, wild roller coaster of a film. You're a fan of Tolkien? Did you read it when you were a kid, like back in the 80s? Led Zeppelin, Mike. Led Zeppelin. Song Remains the Same. Led Zeppelin film in, 1970, uh, in the late 1970s. Uh, I saw that film and there was a resurgence of Tolkien because Gollum and Mordor are mentioned there's images of in Led that Zeppelin. yeah yeah I got into the Lord of the Rings because of Led Zeppelin and you're a bit of a musician yourself I'm not saying you're a dwarf character by four who apparently plays the clarinet or something like that he does. he does. And it's you play some stuff or you're in a band yourself? Yes, I'm in a band where my wife and I have a group called the California Dreamers. We're a retro 60s vocal act. We'll be playing a show tonight at the after party. We did offer. <laughs> We're actually coming up here in February to play for a party at the Academy Awards. Um, oh, wow. It's the night before the Academy Awards, actually. It's for the fan site, One Ring. Wow, that's unreal. So they hide. Do you have to dress up as by four the dwarf to play in the band? No, I dress up in my 60s gear. <laughs> You're not actually a dwarf. How do they shrink you? Uh, with the uh, There's a thing called CGI. You probably haven't heard yeah. of it. <laughs> What's it like wearing the whole green suit with all the dots on it and everything like that? Well, that was fun because I was also a troll. So we didn't do that for our dwarf characters. That's all real makeup. But I played a troll in the first film, and that was a wild. And you got promoted to a dwarf. I got well. I was a dwarf anyway. Uh, I was the dwarf anyway. And then I thought, hello, John Rhys Davies did the voice for Treebeard in the um, in the Lord of the Rings film. So I thought. I'm going to ask if I can audition for one of the trolls. So I played Tom. <laughs> a really weirdly snotty troll. We had an absolute blast filming it. Um, four days in the motion capture studio wearing the funny suit with the dots. And what about putting on all the makeup uh, for your actual character by four? Because you had a, like all the hair and everything like that. He's getting at like 4 a.m. Talk us, talk us through that. Uh, two and a, about two and a half hours. About an hour and three quarters for the prosthetic and the hair about um, 40 minutes. 
months. So the mornings were long. I trained myself to go to sleep. So, of course... You um, slept while they're giving you makeup. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like meditate or something. I was so proud that I trained myself to fall asleep. And, you know, when somebody's poking you in the eye with a stick, that is a true art, falling asleep. And so you'd wake up on a good morning. I'd wake up 40 minutes later, just as he was leaning in, that my makeup guy would be leaning in to finish my eyes. And the other thing I have to say about the hair, it's yak hair. So there's a lot of bald gacks in Tibet that hate us right now. <laughs> OK, so the premiere tonight, tell us about the film. What's it like? The film? Oh, it's amazing. Uh, True that Peter Jackson's editing it, editing it as we speak before the premiere tonight? It probably, I wouldn't be surprised. He's probably up in the cutting room right now finishing it off. No, it's, um, I've actually seen it. It is an insane film. It's a absolute, what I said earlier is true. It is a roller coaster. You say it's the best one? Of, undoubtedly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you're here with your wife and kids. What do they think about their dad being a dwarf in one of the coolest movies or the biggest movie franchises in the world? They are insanely proud. In fact, I was just saying, as I said to you a bit earlier, we just walked down the street here with the family and outside, they're setting up outside the cinema for the premiere tonight. I just got completely mobbed. You know, about 40, 50 people suddenly surrounding me saying, Mr. Kircher, Mr. Kircher, can you sign this? Can you sign this? Can you sign? So my daughter, 16-year-old daughter, is looking on in absolute pride, absolute pride at her dad being mobbed. And the poor little six-year-old was actually surrounded, got completely lost, almost um, stampeded, uh, you know, crushed to the stampede. But anyway, they're very proud. So. There was a, a reception, uh, we were checking into the hotel. Some girl was stalking you from behind. She snuck up and she had a pile of about 20 photos of you that she got you to sign. Um, she'd actually spotted me in the car on the way here. <laughs> Didn't even know a stack. Oh, so tailed you in a car here. It happens. It happens. It is. It's the fans are mental, aren't they? Oh, they are. But they're mostly, you know, actually. Actually, 99.99% absolutely lovely people. And it's an honour for somebody to run up and want your autograph. Let's face it. They even pay for your autograph at some of the the Comic-Con kind of shows. How does that feel? Yeah. Well, as as I said, it is actually an honour. And, you know, you get to meet and chat with people. Um, We do a lot of the convention stuff around the world. I travel all the time now doing it. And it's it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I just love it, actually. Yeah, it's fun. Can't wait to see the film. Thank you, William. Okay, thank you, Mike. And, you know, hopefully see you for for a drink in the Roosevelt Bar. I'll be here. (laughs) See you later, man. Thank you for listening if you got all the way to the very end. Um, Coming up soon, if you're a Big Brother fan, I'm really sorry I haven't interviewed Ryan yet. We've missed each other a couple of times. I I know you've you've sent me questions. You want to know how he spent the money. Is he happy? How's his mum? How's his family? How's everything? I will be speaking to him soon. If you want to audition for the next Big Brother, just like Sonia said at the end of the finale, keep your eyes on bigbrother.com.au. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. More soon. Goldman out.